Small town in America, it's the Saturday Night Special with Amy Goose. Seven twenty WGN. Welcome to the Saturday Night Special. Took the wheel a couple of minutes early there at the end of the Sox game. It's all good. So tonight on the Saturday Night Special, we are talking very broadly about startups. I love talking about startups for a couple of reasons. One, because I am endlessly fascinated about the seemingly limitless levels of creativity that people bring to the table when they say, what is the thing that I want to build? When it's fueled by passion, when someone sees a problem they want to solve, so many creative things happen. And so I'm endlessly glad to see that kind of creativity happening in the world, and especially right here in Chicago. So I love talking with people and learning about their passions and learning about what they're building to try to make the world better. And here's the thing, when we think about a startup. We think of it being like a tech-focused operation and probably a lot of the way that we see them depicted in TV and movies. It's kind of this slick sort of thing. Business lunches, venture capital, Silicon Valley, rampant workaholism, burnout, and all the fun stuff like that. However, and sometimes that's true in Silicon Valley, the, the big companies that make it, right? But the more startup founders that I interview, the more that I see that absolutely nothing could be further from the truth, especially that very glossy, polished truth, that image of startups that we might see on screens. Nothing is further from the truth. What I see instead, especially here in Chicago, especially around the Midwest, is a pretty scrappy group of people from literally just about every conceivable background. I've talked with people who were executives and said, I want something different or I see a problem. And they went into a totally different direction. I saw people who were in the fitness industry, who were surgeons who just said, I see a better way and totally made a sharp turn. And what I think is very cool is that one thing that so many of them seem to have in common is they're, they're building vastly different things, but they, they all seem to want them to make the world better or fix a problem they think that will, will make things better for people or help them to make the world better, which I think is pretty cool. So some of these are technology based, some not at all. Some are very human to human based. And technically, a startup is simply a company that's in its early stages, generally trying to capture a perceived market demand by developing a viable product, platform, or service. That's not a new thing. That's an old thing. That's been around forever. And back in the day, it was super difficult to create a large and successful business without a tremendous amount of capital because you had to open a factory or buy a fleet of trading vessels or something like that. But now... People can do that in their basements, their garage, or a college dorm, as we saw with the case of Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, right? As a result, new startups pop up every day around the world, thousands and thousands every single day, each of them hoping to get acquired by a larger company or to make it big in their own right. As of June 2018, so a year ago this month, the most valuable startup worldwide was Uber still pretty close to the top, although there's some that are giving it a run for its money. At the time, it was valued at 68 billion US. 
Beyond Meat after their very big IPO. They're giving the they're giving a little bit of a run for money too. There's a lot of interesting startup activity happening in the food space too. So there's a lot of different sectors playing out, not just in the technology place. So usually we pack the show to the gills and we have tons of experts in here talking about all kinds of things and we fill every conceivable moment. Tonight we're going to let the show breathe a little bit. We have two different startup founders, both trying to make the world better in totally different ways with totally different approaches and totally different backgrounds. Um, But they're both grappling with themes of public voice and how to help more people lend their voice to the mix. So we're going to hear from both of them tonight about their work and about what they're aiming at and the big picture for both of them. So we'll be right back to get that show underway here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth here on the Saturday Night Special. We're talking about startups again. I I had so much fun last time we did that. We heard from all these really smart people that you know you walk around in your day to day life thinking like I kind of have it together. I'm sort of a smart person, and then you meet people that are so smart. You're like I'm an idiot. I've done nothing with my life. Nothing. I have no sense at all. I feel I feel that way every time I watch Shark Tank. I'm like, why didn't I think about this? Oh, Shark Tank. And especially, <laughs> okay, here's the thing with Shark Tank, though. Because especially when Shark Tank, like, if it's someone who seems like, wow, that's a really smart person and they seem so genuine or likable, you're rooting for them. But when yeah. they're a jerk <laughs> or they just seem like... Like, this guy seems like an idiot. Oh, God. You know, then you're like, why didn't I think of that thing? God. <laughs> I know. I try to always think of like, okay, here would be my invention today. I, I always think of that, of just to keep my brain. I try to always brainstorm stuff. And yeah. I try to like, here are my big three ideas today. I don't ever come up with anything that good. <laughs> or I do come up with something good. And I'm like, well, if only I had a million trillion dollars to build that. You know what's funny? It'd be fun. Today I was driving and I was thinking about rain because the forecast says that for the rest of the week we'll have, you know, scattered thunderstorms. Well, that's a, hang on. We, you know what? <laughs> this morning, my, my, we're going to, hang on. Okay. This is a little tangent. John Williams and I were talking about this this morning in Crosstalk, uh, right before the Business Lunch Show, how this morning I woke up and one app said it was going to be a high of 70 and one app said it was going to be a high of 90. Mm. And so he was saying earlier on his show that like, you can't, there's, meh. Yeah, you can't I'm, even say anymore. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but I, I apologize. Just, Go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> let's just say that it is going to rain all yeah. the, for the rest of the week because it does every day. Right. So I was thinking I was like, you know what? You know, when I'm walking down the street and I'm holding an umbrella, I, I usually hold my keys. I hold my phone. I hold all these things. Umbrella really, purse. Uh, yes. Oh. I was thinking about an umbrella holder. Like, I don't know if you can just like wear wear something that just holds the umbrella. But I was thinking that just driving today and I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty good idea. I don't know if this is good. I don't know if it's going like to sell, but so would the umbrella thinking, like come up from like a backpack thing? Either a backpack, or you'll wear like a I don't know, like a harness or something, and then you'll just you know hold the umbrella like over your head. I love it. Yeah, I love that. Or it could be like a little thing that you hang on the umbrella. Yes, maybe that attaches to the because no umbrellas really have that crook handle anymore. That's just like a little yep. grip. Mm-hmm. So something that attaches, like clips to that. Maybe you screw something onto the bottom of it, and it holds all your stuff. Look at that. We're already brainstorming. I love it. We're killing it already. Someone give us a vast fortune to build this, the umbrella purse. You heard it here at WGN, everybody. Here, here was the invention that I had the other day. Um, I don't think that I would make a million dollars off of this, so no one invest in this because you will not make money back. My idea was, um, so regular listeners know that I try to do yoga every single day, and in fact, I teach yoga on the side, but 
every time you get a group of people and you go, okay, and exhale, downward dog, people like stuff falls out of tops. I don't mean body falls out of tops. I mean like keys and chapstick and necklaces, wedding rings, because people take off their ring or money. Money. Yeah. People take off their stuff and they stick it into their sports bra. So as soon as you go exhale, downward dog, the room is like, it sounds like, I mean, you know, like keys and everything, just kind of stuff going everywhere. So I was like, okay, there needs to be some kind of like a little secret pocket inside a sports bra to tuck your stuff away with so you can do yoga or get upside down and yoga poses without dropping your keys or your rings or whatever. It's good, right, David? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can feel your contempt from over here. <laughs> no, it's no, 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 no. It, it, it's not contempt, but it's no one would buy that. I don't like such a small market. Well, I, I don't know. You, there are there. Are, you've gone to the. I'm sure you've done had this happen. You go to the bank, and you're standing behind someone in line, and they get to the teller, and you see them reaching inside to get the money that they're going to deposit, and you can see the look on the teller's face, like, oh. Well, yeah, that's so this where you've kept it. Right. So this invention would be like a little special pocket that's in the sports bra that it wouldn't. I mean, someone invented something sort of like this. It's a it's a wristband, like a sweatband thing with a secret little zipper on it. And it's called like the ring keeper, or the ring hero or something. And you like put your because if you do yoga and you wear rings, it'll, they'll hurt. So a lot of people take their wedding rings off. So this is like a, so it's like something like that. But I don't care where it is. Actually, I just don't. I feel bad when people get upside down in yoga and all their stuff falls out of their top. So it's just, I don't know, it doesn't have to be in the top, but it would be like a little waterproof, sweatproof pouch in the sports bra. This is, no, listen, five it, people would it, buy this. It, 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 I'm, I'm just surprised they would assume that considering some of the positions and, and that you have to do when you're going to do yoga, um, you know, if I'm going to be doing this position, stuff's going to fall out. Yeah, okay, let me so. find a different option. Right. So so we're talking about... How about yoga pants with pockets? Those exist. They do? Yeah, they yeah. exist. Okay. Yeah. I own a pair. Yeah, they exist. There's there's <laughs> one you can like put your phone down on the side of your leg that's real handy. I hate it, though, because then in class, people's phone rings. Mm. They'll, they'll, the phones ring. And you're like, can you, can you maybe not? <laughs> one time though i did answer a phone it was just sitting there and she was like i'm sorry i was like do you want me to get it she was yeah sure and i just picked up i was like namaste <laughs> and they were like is amber there or whatever her name was she's and was like, we're in yoga right now and she can't talk i said she's she's um taking a couple of open mouth exhales and downward dog she'll call you later and i they don't have a rule that says no phones in yoga they class? They do, but here's the thing about people. People see rules, and they think they apply to everyone. Who else but them? Mm. And that's the thing, as we've seen poli- have you ever had, politically. Have you ever been tempted to throw someone, a repeat offender, out of yoga class altogether? Absolutely like, not. No? No, 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 no. Okay. No. The only person I've ever been mad at in yoga class was someone who kept talking like, hey, can you turn this song up? I love it. Hey, can you, like, every single thing. Hey, can you come over here and help me? And I will, but also, like, you know, there's some t- 25 other people in this room. Maybe just keep that. Anyway, we're not doing a show about yoga. We're doing a show about startups. <laughs> so we were, I, I said in the opening monologue that Uber last year was one of the most um, valuable startups. Others on that list. Care to guess? Either of you? Can I say Lyft? <laughs> Lyft is up there. Okay. Um, we work okay is valued at 47 billion right now wow 
Uh, Juul, J-U-U-L, the vaping thing. Yeah, that's, that's right. $38 billion. Wow. SpaceX, $31.5 billion, which is, I mean, uh. I think I got issues. I mean, if you listen to the Biz Lunch on Saturdays, you will know I, I uh, one might say challenge. Has he launched anything yet? Unmanned. Yeah. Actually, they had kind of a. Interesting. Looking. Oh no, no, that you're, you're talking about Elon Musk's company. Yeah. All right. No, I I was thinking Jeff Bezos. I forgot the name of his. No, you know what I'm. Um, oh, I just blinked on his too. Ah, oh, hang on. Am- Amazon? No, but he's no, got no, he the has space a, division. A space division. Yeah, it has a separate name. That he's trying to. He wants to be able to supply cargo once once SpaceX happens. He's building to get stuff up there. And he also has a a moon lander, or is it a, a Mars the, lander? I gotta Google that. We gotta. We okay. should take a break or something because I got because <laughs> I need Sorry. to do Man, what is the name? I was just talking about the name of that company. Anyway, I'm gonna look it up on the break. Um, Airbnb, thirty one billion. Stripe, which is an online payment. Uh, thing thingmabob is the technical word 22.5 billion a little bit further down that list doordash followed by instacart oh and slack i bet slack who who just is uh right still in the glow of their ipo land you know mm-hmm. on both sides of your ipo i feel like you get this glow uh you know and everyone loves your company or hates it um so slack's still in that corridor so um yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time. It's Chicago hasn't had an IPO, a tech IPO in a while. So I think we're moving towards one. There's a lot of speculation that there's one coming soon. Yeah. But I, I mean, here's the thing about startups is I'm interested in all of them, not just the unicorn, you know, when people call them the really successful unicorns. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, it doesn't have to be big and wow. It just has to be. And, and in fact, I put up a post soliciting, uh, like, pitch me your ideas. I, I do that pretty regularly on social media just because I want to, you know. And I tell people, because I think sometimes people feel like pitching is bragging. It's not. It's a fact. I started this company. I would love for it to be, I'd love to come talk to you about it on the radio. That's mm-hmm. not bragging. That's telling me the truth. And you make my job easier if I know about you. Otherwise, I don't know. So I put that on social media pretty regularly. And I, I love hearing from people. And I love hearing, you know, the stuff people do. The only requirement I say is if the best case scenario happens and WGN listeners love what you're doing and they all go to your website or go try to buy your product or whatever, you can't run out. That's my, my only, you, I, you don't have to be huge. You don't mm-hmm. have to be a multi-million dollar company. But if a couple hundred people go to your website and it crashes, then I look like an idiot. Right. Right. Like I look like I'm, so don't do that. Like, But if, if it's a small startup, that's cool with me. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like, you know, uh, you're launching a product and we talk about it on the air and then... Oh, well, I only have 12 of them. Well, that's not going to work either. You know, like I get uh, like Etsy stores pitch me a lot. And I'm like, I'd love to, but you only have like one of everything and you've only got 20 things. So maybe just tweet about it. I'll retweet you. That's cool. But I love startups and because I love the creativity and I love the idea of, you know, let's think completely differently here. I mean, we work, for example, that's a co-working space. It now has, as of two weeks ago, one million square feet of office space leased in Chicago. It is the biggest company who who has leased space in Chicago. It's not all the same space. It's not 1 million total, but it's all around town. There's so many WeWork locations that as of their last lease, even though it's not filled yet, a million square feet. That's huge. That's so big. And it's, to me, that speaks to businesses changing. People want flexibility. They want kind of month to month. They don't necessarily, the days are gone where you, okay, to have a business, I'm going to go rent this office space and trick it out and do all this stuff. Now you can, you know, people want that flexibility. So I think um, startups are so interesting 
because of their creativity and because they solve something. Imagine you're the inventor of WeWork and you're like, man, I want to start a business. I see all these people starting businesses and the office is the biggest expense for them or or a big expense, right? right? Especially if you're a service provider, that's such a big expense. And sometimes you have to, right? If you're, if you're running a service, if you're, say, uh, mental health care, you've got to have an office, you've got to have a place, right? But, but some, some, you know, I can see how that came about. Like, well, what if we had a thing where you could just rent it? And I think so many startups, when I, I love asking people, what's the origin of this? And I asked um, both of the, the founders that we're going to hear from tonight, how did this start? What was your idea? And both of them kind of like, well, I just, you know, I had this idea. I, I wanted, I, f- I knew I could fix that. And I, I love that. And I love that, that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. So yeah. um, the first one we're going to hear from, and both of these, because entrepreneurs are busy is the thing I also know to be true. So it's very difficult to get them on the phone. But um, I I talked to both of them a little bit earlier today and recorded with them because they have busy entrepreneurial things to do tonight. Uh, so the first one that we're going to hear from, from like your, your maid of honor speech or best man speech to your, you know, company, sa- like you're giving the sales presentation or whatever, or you are legitimately trying to like launch a business and you need to make a video, you need to be funny. And this is a company that is helping people to be funnier, but also giving more people access to one thing that we have in Chicago in spades, and that is comedy schools. It's helping people in different areas, which seems like not a, you know, it's not curing world hunger. It's not doing that, but it's helping people in such a fun way. So we talked to the founder here in just a little bit. But first, let us take a break. Let us go to news. Let us reset. I will Google the thing that I was trying to think of a minute ago. And uh, when we come back, we will hear from her. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. It's Amy Guth and the Saturday Night Special. Tonight, we're talking all about startups. Right before the break, we were trying to think of the name of the company that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos uh, had started dealing with space. It's Blue Origin. And we can thank David Jennings for that. He looked it up very quickly while we were chatting. Speaking of David Jennings, it is now time for news. Seven twenty WGN. Hello, it's Amy Guth on the Saturday Night Special. I'm having way too much fun with this song. You're playing some good jams, Vivian. Thank you very much. Good jams. I just want to. The problem with your jams is this. I just want to stand here and dance a little bit, and not. And then I forget to talk to all the nice people that are nice enough to tune in. I'm just going to stand and dance. Dancing makes for terrible radio. That's a thing that I know for sure. Ah, goodness. Anyway, so before the break, we were talking with Victoria Elena Nones. We were actually listening to a conversation that I had with her just a little bit earlier today. I always feel like I need to tell you guys that. Some people just go like, play it. No, I can't. I I feel bad. I always want to tell you when I pre-recorded it. Also, if you run into one of them while this is on, you're going to be like, well... That, that goof is full of it, so I don't want to be full. I want to tell you. Anyway, I talked to her just a couple of hours ago. So, um, and uh, so we're going to, we're going to play that. And my first word is so go for it. So I want to shift now and talk about another thing that you're doing that's very cool. And and that is a series called Run, which still fits, even though it is a, a series, uh, it, is, it fits very much into our theme tonight, talking about startups and, and all of that. And it is uh, a group, of, it, is, it is about a group of women who are in PR and tech and all of that. And, and they're trying to get female candidates elected. Does that sound about like a fair enough synopsis? I'm sure you could do a better one. 
Yes, you should just come with me to parties and you can do the elevator pitch because that's pretty much spot on. So great. <laughs> um, we're definitely, you know, I would say we're a, a team of experts and we are helping women candidates specifically to take their, you know, beginner level candidates, um, excuse me, campaigns from striving to thriving. And how is that? How, how is that? I mean, you have the you have the the work part, but then you have the added layer of that being a series on top of it. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, both of those things are their own thing. So to bring that into two things, what challenges does that create? Absolutely. Well, we're really trying to give a bite sized picture into what it's like to run for political office. And so our hope is that we're going to inspire and educate other women to want to take that leap if they haven't already. Um, so definitely, I would say we're nowhere near, for example, like an Emily's List or She Should Run or Vote Run Lead. There are a lot of really wonderful nonprofit organizations who are doing the hard work and day in and day out fundraising, you know, really making women's campaigns pop. And I would say the difference with our show is that we're doing that, but just on a very micro level. So with each episode, we spend about a week with the candidates. Um, and we're empowering them so that that way they are able to get the resources that they need and transform their campaign. And we actually did a, a really good job of that with our pilot episode with um, our candidate, Bushra Amiwala. Uh, spoiler alert, she did win. She is the youngest Muslim woman to be elected in the U.S. And she's right here in Illinois. So very cool. And where did the what was the origin of this series? What, what, what gave you this idea for this? Yeah, so this actually came about from some funny candles that I sent as a gift to my friend Genevieve Sears, who's uh, one of the other producers of the show. Um, the long story short, I don't know if you've seen these candles. They're sort of mock, uh, you know, prayer candles. They've got like Hillary Clinton or Michelle Obama, and you can put them on a candle. Anyway, I sent her these as a gift. We started laughing about it. We were having conversations, and organically we discussed this idea of, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we had these women icons that could empower other women? And we see so many women doing this. It would be great if we could see this on television, if this could be, you know, a show that people are able to watch. So it evolved over several conversations, but the ultimate goal was, again, to snap a team around women and help them transform their campaign. Which is, uh, you know, there are, as you, you named a couple of other uh, groups doing that, but none are none are really documenting that and doing all that. Are there uh, particular particularly difficult pieces of, of making a, making a docu-series that you've run into. I ask that having done that project, having done that kind of work before myself, I know that sometimes there's hard choices to make about what ends up on camera, what doesn't, uh, people getting, um, kind of shy in front of the camera or acting not themselves, things like that. Has anything like that come up for you in this project? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I would say this, this has been a very challenging and very fun project. It's the kind of project where <laughs> you don't mind staying up, you know, when we're filming till 4am and then getting up a few hours later and filming again all day. Um, I would say some of the challenges that have presented themselves to us have definitely been, you know, again, working with a small team when you're starting up, you're low budget, you're, you're doing things scrappy, you're getting off the ground. So all three of us as producers, myself, Anna, and Genevieve, are wearing many hats right now. Um, for example, today, actually, it's Saturday. I just spent a, a good number of hours compiling a list of production companies that we're going to be pitching to, you know, and looking people up and looking for warm intros and things of that nature. So trying to get in the right room to pitch this show, that's definitely proved um, to be a challenge. 
Um, the other thing I would say during filming, absolutely, <laughs> some people feel more comfortable on camera than others. And um, when you're doing reality, you know, sort of docu-series setup, um, it is difficult because you don't know what you're going to get, right? You know, in a scripted series, you've got the script there, you've got the sets built, everything is, you know, set to go, and the actors know their lines. In a reality docu-series type situation, it's all, you know, kind of unfolding before you. And so you hope that the amount of stuff that you're getting on camera is going to work well for the episodes um, that you're trying and the story that you're trying to tell. Um, I would say at this point, you know, we're editing the pilot episode and Anna and our editor Karina are doing a great job of this, but <laughs> we're, we're trying to get it down to 40 minutes and right now it's at two hours. Okay. So we actually have <laughs> a lot of great content that we're trying to pare down. Yeah, sounds like it. That's a good problem to have though, having too much as opposed to not enough and having to uh, be creative and stretch it out or fill in the gaps. Yes. So people can go to runtheseries.com and uh, so again, I'm going to tweet out links to both of these projects of yours. Any big milestones that we should be looking for? The pilots coming? What else should we be looking for for this or Satira? Yeah, absolutely. So with Satira, we're, we're running a pilot, which is a test run with Second City. Um, it's actually be launching in the next few months here. So keep a lookout on Second City's website. If you want to get online and you want to learn from some funny people that are at Second City, we'd love to have you try it out. Um, and then as far as run goes, yeah, just keep your eyes peeled because it's a really exciting time. We've already had a couple of meetings in New York and we're meeting with different networks and production companies right now. And we're looking for the right home for the show. So we can't wait to announce where it's going to be seen and we're planning to debut it in 2020. Um, so keep your eyes peeled and, and hopefully you can watch the trailer at our website. Super fun. Well, appreciate all the work you're doing and thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. Again, that was a conversation that I had a little bit earlier today with Victoria Elena Nones. Her companies are Satira, and the project she was just talking about is called Run. Really interesting stuff. Again, as I said uh, in that recording, if you follow me on Twitter or find me on Twitter, you're not obligated to follow me there. But if you find me on Twitter after the program, I will tweet out links to all the stuff mentioned tonight. So. So we're going to take a little break here in a little bit and get you to news and all that good stuff. On the other side of news, we're going to talk with a very cool startup company. He came by earlier today and talked with us. Another one I had to record. I'm telling you, these founders are busy, Vivian. They are so (laughs) busy. They're so busy. Anyway, we're going to talk with him about a very cool thing he's working on that's all about on social media, the way we really are not speaking our minds. We think we are. People say, oh, I'm speaking out. I do this thing. But some people are not sharing their real opinion for fear of retaliation. So some people are kind of clamming up, not feeling heard, not feeling part of their group. This person is collecting a lot or not collecting data, but surveying for data about what we really think about the big issues in life. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that. But also, we don't take a lot of callers on the show, but we're going to tonight. So I want to hear from you the best business advice you've ever gotten. I know there's a ton of people that are all around the place, all around the Midwest, all around Chicago listening, who have probably are you're probably a business owner or you were at one point. I want to hear from you. I would love to know the best business advice you ever, ever got or even better, the best business advice you ever ignored and lived to regret. I want to hear about that, too, because sometimes uh, doing it the hard way and shoulda, coulda, woulda is the best teacher of all. So we're going to take a break. We're going to do that. Vivian, what's the best business advice you've ever gotten? 
Um, be true to yourself. Be true to your beliefs. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, my dad had a lot of advice for me that I can't say on the air. <laughs> he was like, he's, he's a very quotable man. But It's so funny. Speaking of fathers, my dad would always say, you're a Greek. You know, you, you Greeks invented everything. So it should <laughs> not be everything. hard for you. That's true. Greeks I'm like, okay, dad, everything. thanks. Right. Uh, but I didn't invent everything, Dad. <laughs> exactly. Our ancestors' father invented that. things. Greeks invented everything. This should mm-hmm. be easy. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. This should be easy for David's, us, right? mm-hmm. We got the mm-hmm. We got the David Jennings mm-hmm. No, my, my advice is someone told me, you know, this, there are some things you're never going to learn until the first time you're fired. Oh. Oh, that's okay. good advice. Yeah. And they were right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, I would say this too, not all advice is good, right? Like some of the worst advice I've gotten was... Um, an early career mentor who gave me a ton of good advice also said, always straighten your hair. Do not ever wear it curly. No one will take you seriously because you will always look messy and and disorganized. So never, ever, ever wear your hair curly. And there was a time that was true. Not anymore. Not anymore. And it was so liberating when I said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> I'm straightening my hair anymore. And I remember, I look back at pictures where I was like in my suit when I had kind of a corporate, not corporate, but a, you know, leadershipy, corporate y sort of job. And I was like, I mean, I did a lot of cool things in that job. And I certainly am proud of that time. But I'm also like, I looked like a totally different person. Mm. There's even, I think I've said this on the air before, but there's a passport picture that I took about two or three months, maybe less than that, before I left the last kind of big leadershipy job I had. Um, I shouldn't say the last, but like the, the current passport photo, you mean? No, 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 no. Oh, you've changed it since. No, I never took it. I never oh. took it to the office. I took it and said, this is it. Let me finish my story, David. <laughs> <laughs> I took the passport picture and it was so ugly. I was like, I'm not using this, but I just threw it in a drawer. You know, people were coming over and I didn't throw it out. I just shoved it in a drawer. And then a couple years later, I found it and I had Ooh. it sitting on the counter. My friend and her boyfriend came over. And so I took the picture about a month before, this is when, I'll say, this is when I worked at the Tribune, and I I was the publisher of Red Eye at the time, which was like a really fun job, but also kind of high stress, right? Right. So I have another, I have 12 jobs now, but one of them is a leadershipy job, but it's not, it's not so high stress, it's fun. So, but that was like a pretty high stress job. Anyway, my friend's boyfriend saw the picture of me that I never sent to the passport people, because I then went and took another one. And he goes, oh, is that your mom? No. Ow. And I said, no, that's me a couple of years ago. Ouch. And he said, well, whatever you did, good job. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you looked so stressed out in this picture. You look quite a bit older than wow. you are now. And I was like, well, so the answer to looking stressed out is to quit your job, I guess. <laughs> I don't recommend it if you and like. have curly hair. Yeah. Let your hair curl. Let your hair curl. Don't let jobs stress you out. Yeah. But then the same mentor who said, don't, who, who said uh, don't ever wear your hair curly, the best advice she ever gave, she gave me a lot of good advice, but one of the best was, um, best pieces of it was, um, I was like put in some late hours to do a thing and get some stuff done. And she's like, you know what, there's, we've, we've allotted plenty of time to get this project done. You don't have to get it all done right now. And so, yeah, I just, you know, I really want to nail it, knock it out of the park, do all the stuff. She goes, you know what, here's the thing is um, no job's going to love you back. Oh, that's so sad. And I was like, oh, that's terrible, but I love what I'm doing. She was like, right, but you've got to take care of yourself and you've Mm -hmm. got to stop at some point. And she, and then she said, also the, the, the old idea is that the person who stayed at the office last looks like the go-getter. She said, 
That sometimes is the case, but sometimes it can be the case that the person who's staying last is the person who can't get their work done on time. Wow. So the, don't, the famous double-edged sword. Yeah. So I thought that was really, she was like, neither is wrong. Both can be true. But just think of that, that it's, don't feel like you have to stay. Don't, she said, it's okay. If your work is done, it's okay to go home. And I thought that was really, I still struggle with that. I think we all do, because that's yeah. just kind of culturally where we are. You, you never know how, advice. which one of those will be in the boss's head when they look as they're leaving. Well, that's the thing. You got to wait till the boss leaves anyway. <laughs> you can't leave for the boss <laughs> if it's like an office thing. Anyway, we're chatting away. We got to go to break. We got to go to news. We got to do all kind of things. Back in just a bit. 720 WGN. <laughs> Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth here on the Saturday Night Special. We're talking about startups, but we've expanded. We've we've gone way beyond that at this point. <laughs> we started talking about startups, and we're going to hear from another founder here right after the eight thirty news. But we've kind of moved into the space of like good advice that you've gotten in the business world. And so, if you would like to give us a call and tell us the best advice a mentor has ever given you, whether or not you took that advice, that's okay. You don't have to follow the advice. Please give us a call three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. We'll do the rare thing of taking calls here on the Saturday Night Special. We don't often do it because we often have so many people, all these experts in here telling us about their stuff, but we got a little room tonight. So I would love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. So we're talking about the best advice you've ever gotten in the business setting, whether or not you took it. I think, I think for the most part, I've probably followed most of the advice, but that's the thing is I think sticking to your gut is such a big deal and so important. And so if you get advice and you're like, eh, I'm not feeling that. I don't think that's the right move. I'm not. Yeah. You got to listen to that. You got to listen to that. So I think that's really important. Now, I think too, um, there's not really like hazing, but there's stuff, you know, when you first start a job, when you're early career, there's just kind of awful like oh my god i gotta do and you gotta do it though you gotta do it you know you gotta learn how to take some grief and roll with it and do the jobs that you don't want to in order to do the jobs that you do want to do and uh i used to you know i think in the journalism world it's always like go report a story that you re- you know you want a big sexy glamorous story but you're like nope gonna, you're gonna go cover a real boring meeting or something, you know, or you're going to go or you're going to go talk to a person who just lost a family member because then you're going to be able to talk to anybody, things like that. So I think there's some industry specific stuff that's pretty interesting. But generally speaking, in the business world, I mean, my my family was in the restaurant business. So I think all of our stuff was about just like suck it up and get out there and give the customer a really good experience, which most of that can apply to the any business that you're in, right? But I don't know. My dad and I have had many conversations about crying in front of a colleague because <laughs> he he used to tell me like if you quit if or if you if you quit if you cry at a job quit immediately because no one will ever respect you again. <laughs> he used to always tell me that. But you know, I started working for him when I was 14, and so I was you know sometimes got my feelings hurt because yeah. I was a teenage girl, and I'd be like, <gasps> Dad yelled at me. But then I had to suck it up. So, but quickly I kind of learned like if you're working at your family's place, you got to work harder than anybody else because everybody thinks a boss's kid is going to slack. So yeah. you got to not do that. Um, so I feel a little bit differently about it. And I think it's okay to be a human being at work. Now, if you cry all the time at work, people are going to be like, oh my God. Emotional roller coaster. Guth can't get it together. <laughs> She's always crying. But, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I had a, 
I had a somebody I was her boss at the time and she had a parent die very suddenly and got that call at work and she ran into my office and shut the door and she was crying she's like I'm so sorry I just couldn't hold it I couldn't get to the bathroom and I was like did you pee like what are you talking about maybe you couldn't hold it what's happening right now and she told me you know she just lost a parent and you know I set her down she kept apologizing for crying and I was like hey I'd be worried if you didn't you know it's okay to cry at work. I think that's fine. But some people have really strong feelings about that. Some people feel like if you cry at work that you've damaged your credibility. What do you think? I don't think you damage your credibility. I feel like, you know, we're just forgetting that we're all human and yeah. we have emotions. I know. Um, do I think that it's normal to do it all the time? No. No. But when you have something tragic as losing a parent, you know, happen, it's, I mean, you can't help that. What about like if a coworker griped you out or something? If what? Like if a coworker griped at you and it hurt your feelings. Do you think it's okay to... I'm always a believer in talking uh, through the problem than, you know, just putting the emotion in it. Yeah. But if it really bothered me, um, I would let that coworker know that it really bothered me. Yeah. And if I shed a tear, then so be it. Yeah. <laughs> but I would try to stay away from that is what I'm saying. You, you can use your words um, and, you know, and, and straighten out a problem. You don't have to always, you know, sure. be as emotional. I've cried here. I'll totally admit it. Oh. I've cried in front of the boss here. I have not cried yet. So. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> and you've been here as long as me. I've been here 10 years this year. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah, I started here 10 years ago. So, yeah, I've I. Yeah, I've cried in front of the current boss. I've cried in front of him one time. <laughs> We're just having a rough time. And he asked me like a pretty innocuous question. I was like, you know what? It's not going well. <laughs> I started crying. And he was probably but, like, well. But, but you know what? It's also nice that, you, you, that you're comfortable to do that. You know, I, yeah. think, I think you're very brave to do that, too. I don't know if it was brave or I just no, like, I he was the first so. person that asked me in days, like, how are you doing? And I was like, terribly. <laughs> I was having a rough time. Last year was a little rough for, yeah. for the goof. So it's all good. <laughs> But I, you know what? I, I, I'm not good at like BSing people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not, um, don't play cards with me or do because you're going to win. Right. Like I, I don't, I don't try to, I'm, I think I'm pretty easy to read. I think so. Anyway, I like to let people know where they stand with me. I'm pretty straightforward about things. And I don't like it when, you know, if I, I found out one time that I, I, you know, there was a colleague that I saw all the time. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Every time. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How are you? And you don't have to share. You're under no right. obligation to share. But I, I found out later that that person was in major crisis. Wow. And really felt very isolated. And I felt terrible, terrible that, you know. So if yeah. if I say, hey, how are you? And someone answers me truthfully, that's fine with me. That's totally okay with me. Even yeah. if it's a colleague, even, like that's totally fine. If they do it every single time and it's like, hmm, hey, you know, you've been really fixated on this breakup you've gone through for a couple of years. Maybe move on or get some therapy or something Yeah, if it's every time. But I think it's okay to say, you know what? I'm glad you asked because I'm not, I'm really struggling with something or my pet died or whatever, yeah. you know, life happens, life's hard. And I think... I'm I'm kind of fascinated by the topic of business and emotions because we all we the phrase it's just business drives me crazy because mm-hmm. it isn't. I mean, this right. if you look at any reporting about the stock market and any big change, it's filled with emotional language. On fears of blank, this happened. Mm-hmm. It took a tumble, a huge crash. It skyrocketed. It has like all these like. Very dramatic words and very emotional words on hopes that this on fears that this and we we 
I think in some ways it's like in the business world, we're just pretending none of us have feelings when we all do. And we all make super emotional decisions all the time. Right. It's only bad when your emotions make you make bad decisions. (laughs) When you do something stupid because you were, you know, emotionally drained or in a bad place or not thinking clearly. Like that's the only time we say don't think with your emotions. You should think with your you should take the human part into account of it for sure. Yeah, you definitely seem genuine for sure. Me? When you, no, when I'm saying in general, and you too. Of oh, course, I was like, thanks. <laughs> you definitely seem genuine. But no, in general, like you, you know, you you definitely seem genuine when you when you act that way. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? But I also think there's some very human stuff. The same mentor that I've mentioned a couple times in the show, she one time there was a coworker who was giving me so much grief. Every time I got an email from this guy, I would just get so mad because mm-hmm. it was always so snarky and rude, and he was like a equal to me we were in different departments but Mm -hmm. he was an equal but he talked to me like i was his intern oh and even though he's my equal like i was probably a little probably i don't know three or four years older than him maybe a little more and i was just like god who is this guy just every time the littlest thing like hey send me this report when you have a second he couldn't resist to write like a snarky reply and so i was like complaining to my boss about it and she said who was my mentor and she said um you know what? We're rely- the machine is killing you. Go walk to his desk and just say, "Hey, I would like to talk to you about the tone of your email. I don't appreciate it, mm. and I think we're not doing our best work because of it." And I was like, "Oh, oh, you mean just do the obvious thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and just walk up there." She's like, "Yeah, he's not expecting that. Just go do that." And I walked up to him. And I was like. Hey there. And he immediately was like, oh, like this look on his face was like, oh, what do I do? And I was like, and I said exactly that. And I and then she was and then stop talking. Don't be nervous and fill the air with talking. Just stop talking and look at him. And I did. And I didn't move. I just sat there looking at him. I like had a (laughs) smile on my face. And he was like. Um, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. I apologize. I'm still new here and I don't know what to do. No way. He folded like a deck of cards so quickly. Wow. And it wasn't about winning. It was just about just be cool. Yeah. I don't I don't need to be boss you around. I just don't want you bossing me around because you're my boss. <laughs> my boss doesn't boss me around. So it was like that. I don't know. I thought that was like sometimes just the most straightforward human thing is the thing that wins. And maybe they don't even think about their coming off as, you know. As, as, oh, he uh, did. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I, I, I like got to know him a little better. And, and as we worked together for a few, you know, few years. And then I was like. Oh, no, you I mean, he kind of admitted like I had a chip on my shoulder when I got here because I was surrounded by, you know, people I didn't know and they didn't know me. So I felt like I had to prove something. Right. And I was like, well, you were kind of a jerk. <laughs> I was like, I know. <laughs> I kind of was. I was like, I really wanted to punch you for months. But you know what's funny? After I just kind of named the thing and was like, hey, I don't appreciate it. I want to clear the air because I don't think we're doing our best work in this way. Yeah. He was totally cool to me after that. It deflated it completely. And I no longer had this major PTSD every time I got an email from him. It's so stupid. We're so dumb. Humans are so dumb. We go through, we go out of our way to do the hardest thing possible. Yeah. We really do. We don't, sometimes the easiest thing is like, just tell them. Just confront them. Just say. Absolutely. 100%. I think, I think technology makes us bad at confrontation. Yeah. And I think we think confrontation is, is, is like this bad, mean thing. I think we think confrontation is like Jerry Springer. (laughs) Right. We don't have to be all like, you hear the bell. You stole my man. (laughs) Like, it doesn't have to be like that. It can just be like, hey, I just, I, I think you insulted. I feel insulted by that conversation. Let's talk about it. That's why I hate texting, too, because people feel like they can just text you their emotions. And I'm like, can we just talk on the phone at least? 
you know, or meet in person and resolve this problem, this issue? There's one letter that is so destructive over text. Okay, dot. It's just the K. Oh, yes, I when know. When people just yes. text oh, K. Oh, gosh. Because you can just see people like K and just <laughs> flopping their phone down and walking off. Oh, I hate it. So, You're right. I hate it, too. And yet, one time, a friend of mine sent me a K, and I was like, oh, okay. I see how, I see what's <laughs> happening. And so I waited a minute, and then I texted her, and I said, hey, can we talk about that a minute? I feel like I've upset you or something. And she said... No, I was just like holding my kid and checking out at Aldi and like all this stuff was happening at once. So I was like, see, you don't see, know. Exactly. You do not know what they're going through at that very moment when they text you. That's right. See, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. I'm going to text you a K later. I'm just, I'm just going to start sending you Ks just for fun, just to be a creep. No, I'm not going to do that. Anyway, we got to take a little break. We're going to come back. We're going to keep talking a little more. If you've got advice you would like to share that a mentor gave you, best business advice ever, whether or not you took it, 312-981-7200. And then in just a bit, we're going to hear from another another founder coming up on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. What is that song? It's great. Isn't this amazing? It's yeah. by Muse, a supermassive black hole. That's right. I yeah. I love it. It's so good. I have a playlist. I don't think I, I can't I can say the name of this. I have like a playlist that's that's about feeling badass uh-huh it's like <laughs> you gotta focus and bring yeah. your a game and i gotta put this song on it because right away i was like oh yeah i'm yeah, gonna no, punch that, somebody yeah. or do something <laughs> i'm gonna punch somebody because <laughs> somehow that's the most empowering choice i could think to make like that <laughs> no no it's definitely really good uh the, the song is good to focus on too yeah yeah this is like a good workout song. It's a good workout song it. and to focus and all that good stuff. I love it. Well, we've been talking about startups tonight. On the other side of news, we're going to hear from Caben Clausen, who is the founder of True Public, which, speaking of focus, there is some fascinating stuff. It's an app. It's a site. Go to the, you can go to truepublic.com and read about it. It's really, really interesting. It's, it's about, it asks a lot of questions. It doesn't let you write answers because that, as we know, humans cannot be trusted with because what happens when we're asked to share our opinion we fight we fight with each other and we <laughs> we you know poo poo other people's ideas and we do not like them <laughs> did you just say poo poo <laughs> yes i did <laughs> and so um it is all it's like yes and no and multiple choice and sliders on this site and it asks you anonymously to answer these questions so you can kind of find out like here's what people really think about this big issue here's what pe- these people really think about this president or this senator or this uh, this vote or this ban or this whatever, you can find out what people are really thinking about it. Because it's, you know, there's some peer pressure, I think, to not be too outraged or or to be outraged more than you are about things, right? So sometimes people go, oh, I spoke out. I did a thing on Facebook. But what do you really, really deep down think about the issue? And so they're, they're collecting data, not our personal data, but our opinion data to kind of look at, hey, a lot of people in this age group feel this way about this thing rather than brokering our data that we don't know is being brokered from us. This is what you're willing to tell about the way you feel about your life and your group and the politics and all the things. It's really interesting. So we're going to be talking to him. But as I said, with the other founder, founders are busy. They're hard to find and hard to 
arrange stuff with. So I talked to him a little bit earlier today, and we, we he came by. He was very nice. He came by, and we pre-recorded. And um, yeah, so we're going to hear from him. Um, the 312 um, texted us saying, uh, always pay yourself first automatically. That's oh, the best advice that they've been given. That's a good one. Yeah. As soon as your venture makes money, there's plenty of ventures that don't. And the other one's a little <laughs> I interesting. I keep finding those ventures. <laughs> and the other one's a little interesting. The 630 said, keep your stuff in the car. Just keep your keys next to you. No phones around you ever. <laughs> Maybe something happened. That's I don't interesting. know. <laughs> no phones ever. Yeah. But some jobs, you've got to have your phone. Right. Because if your boss is calling you, hey, there's breaking news. We need you to come in. Or hey, the one I always get, hey, the White Sox game is over early. We need you to come in early. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like what we got this this afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I've been doing some fill-ins in that yeah. uh, 11 to 1 spot. Yeah. And uh, that is a really interesting thing to do after a White Sox game. Because you could go on anytime between 930 and 11.30. Right. <laughs> just like, right. all right, I'm going to have 44 guests, and I might talk to three of them, or might talk to all of them. I don't know what I'm going to do. That is so true. It's really Well, that's good advice. Thanks for those those tidbits, everybody. 312-981-7200. If you have others you'd like to share, we want to hear them. I think um, it's funny. I mean, advice sticks with us, but, but also not unintentional advice you know there's some things i feel like there's lessons i've learned just from watching people when i early career stuff watching people go wow that's never how i want to be and it most of it center, centers around seeing people in positions of leadership um be explosive with their temper i'm really uncomfortable around that anyway i don't mm-hmm. like tempers i don't like people throwing fits and throwing stuff but I saw a couple of, um, not necessarily my boss, but like the way higher ups early career mm-hmm. just come in and have a meltdown. And I always thought, you know what? That person doesn't look stable and doesn't look like under under pressure. They're going to guide us through this. I was like, wow, that person doesn't look like I can trust them. So I better not. <laughs> that's, you know, like crying at work. Fine. Having a temper tantrum. Not fine. Not to me. fine. To me, all. that's the one that I'm like, mm, you better right. go somewhere else. That's not good. Well, right. we got to go to news. Seven twenty WGN. This is Amy Guth on the Saturday Night Special. Thanks for being with us tonight. We're talking about startups tonight and business advice, all that good stuff. I talked to two founders earlier today and recorded my conversation with them. Here is the second part of the conversation you were just hearing with Caben Clausen, who is from True Public. He created that. It's an app. It's a thing. It's a it's a lifestyle choice. I don't know. I think it's, it's everything. It's everything. <laughs> you should definitely check it out. It's very, very cool. Well, anyway, here's part two of that conversation with him. We think that bringing to light the reality of our population is actually good for humanity. I don't, I don't think everyone will agree with me on this, but I strongly believe that having surprise elections and surprise recessions and surprise anything is not good for a society and a culture. When the 2016 election happened, when Brexit happened, when more recently in Israel, there was a huge miss in the, mm-hmm. in the polling data there as well. It causes upheaval in the markets and it causes surprises. And I think, you know, if someone says, I want to change the world in any way, whatever you're fighting, you're fighting racism, you're fighting income inequality, you're fighting laziness and stagnation, you should first find out where people sit, where they stand. And, you know, in order to change, we should know the number. And I think True Public's doing a great job of drawing out how many people are dealing with racism or income inequality or how many people are lazy out there. And if you want to, if you want to fix these things, we can track that data over time. 
On your website, you are very connected to this this line of conversation. On your website, in the on the about page, there there's something that really caught my eye, and it was about forcing people to go silent. And I really felt that because that's a topic I've certainly done a lot of reporting on and a lot of thinking about for the last several years of how how so many people kind of oh I don't want to get into it with that person or, or mm. don't read the comments or don't you know oh it's not worth my time to go there. Well, the flip side of that is by not spending the time to go there, we're missing important voices from the conversation. And so that's what I think is really valuable about this. Even if we don't know whose voice it is, we we know the voice is being is being heard. Even I feel like this is a, a great step. There's like an intermediary there because I think so many people are just not in the habit of speaking up because of the because of online culture. And I think part of that is just the cultural moment we're in. I think part of that is tech giants, I think, owe us more. They have a responsibility sure. to not suck for their users. And I don't know that they're doing a good job of yeah, that. As you can see that like the founder of Twitter, every single day, there's just replies, replies, replies to him. Hey, when are you going to do this? When are you going to ban this person? Yep. This person's clearly been violating the terms of service, but they're famous, you know, clearly all day long that happens, which I think is really interesting. And, you know, and yet we see people opting out. And yet we see, we also see a culture of, you know, you mentioned Instagram of kind of the, the jealousy and comparison thief of joy there. And yet I think part of that's cultural. How much is culture? How much is the platform? It's probably a combination of both. Probably a combination. Plus, that's just also personal character. I, I think we all have to work on our, ourselves and not being a jerk, not being a jerk <laughs> and, and not feeling envious. I think it's human nature, though. If we try to escape our nature, I think we make mistakes. And there's two two things you touched on. You just talked on that spiral of silence, which yeah. is something I've studied for a while, where the idea behind this is as human beings, we're, we're very tribal. We're used to being in a tribe. And, and this has kind of been around for thousands of years. But when it comes to tribes, the, the fear is being kicked out of the tribe. So whenever there's a majority opinion in America, it's scary to be in a minority opinion. And so say there's 20 people in a room and 15 of them are outwardly speaking up a majority opinion and five of them have the other opinion. Well, what's going to happen is those minority people are not going to say their opinion. So ultimately what happens is the one person in the room, say it's me, who has the minority opinion, I'm thinking no one else has my opinion. When actually there's four other people that were like me, but all of them went silent. Mm -hmm. We can't find each other. This also speaks to bubbles. Look, I went to American University. I grew up in Alaska. Those are two very different worlds politically, right? So I have a weird Facebook mix. But it's inevitable, even with mine, that our information diet and the things we see on social media keep going deeper and deeper into our worldview as we follow more people we like and then they reinforce it and it keeps going down and that's one thing we're trying to we're trying to fight with true public where it's like you can go on there and find out that there are people that have different views than you here's what they believe and then what happens so say i go in and say wow every gosh all these other women my age think something so differently than i do what do i do with that then that's a good question. That's something we're trying to answer with our platform as we continue to grow it because we don't want to be a place for debate. I think there's other platforms that are great for debate. We want to be really like a utility in a way. Imagine a Google only of opinion. Any question you have, you could search on the web, you can search on your phone, and you can instantly find out demographically how people think about those things. Imagine when breaking news happens. Breaking news happens every day in pop culture, whether it's some Hollywood story, it's certainly in Washington with the Trump administration all the time, in sports. And that's where True Public really shines because you can go on Twitter and read individual tweets from journalists and different people. And you can go on Reddit and see anonymous comments. But where do you go if you just want to know right away? What do people think about the wall? Or what do people 
thing yeah, with this. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. Overall. Like that Alabama uh, law came out mm-hmm. recently and you know, within a matter of hours, we had a statistically representative sample of what young people in America thought of that. And that I think is the power. When news happens, people want to know where do I stand? Where does the country stand? And we want to do that really fast. And so what, what would you say is the, the most surprising thing that you've learned in your role? It's a great question. One of the things that's, that's most surprising is it speaks to this uh, email I got from a, a young man named Patrick like a month ago. And like, so when we built this business, we felt, we felt there was a huge business opportunity here. And we also felt like there was a cultural moment that was important, but I guess we didn't quite realize some of the, how broad the pain is with these younger kids, with mm-hmm. the, with the platforms they're dealing with. This kid named Patrick, he emails me, never met him before. He says, I just want to let you know about my generation. Facebook's now for our parents. I don't feel comfortable there. When I tweet, it's like tweeting to the void. No one hears me. On Instagram, I'm not, you know, he said like something like, I'm not cool enough to really win on that place either. So I love True Public. Mm-hmm. And the reason he loves True Public is he said something pretty profound. He said, on True Public, I'm just as valuable as Barack Obama. You know, Barack Obama and me can both use True Public and we are the same power. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you know, we think of this income inequality. You know, you hear Bernie Sanders going top 1% of 1%. That's good, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we have another inequality, which is the amplification of voices. For sure. You know, like your voice is a powerful voice. My voice is some level. There's a lot of voices out there that, you know, aren't heard because on Twitter, the person, you have the haves and have nots. Earlier, we were talking about South Africa. There's countries like that where there's huge income inequality gaps. And, and I think our platforms inevitably create voice amplification gaps in, in how much power people have for their voice to be heard. Yeah. And that's so funny because they were at the early so- social media, kind of in the early mid 2000s. It was all about how it was going to democratize voice and democratize media. And it has done no such thing. Well, it's killed, it's killed the local newspaper. And I think that's dangerous for society because the local newspaper held people to account in in local areas. We don't have that anymore. And what my concern is more broadly for the news business is if it's all for based on clicks, that creates such a bad incentive. You just want to create things that are not substantial. You're basically creating the candy of news every day. And uh, I know it's dangerous because even though I'm telling you that, I can't help but click some of these things. Right. And and then there's another phenomenon. Having worked at those very places, I can tell you there's the other phenomenon in which you have a story sitting on the website. It's right there. It's right there. It's above Mm. the scroll. And someone will go, why aren't you people ever covering this? And you're like, it's right there. (laughs) But we've got a heat map over the thing so I can tell where people are clicking. 20 people clicked on that story. Mm. 6,000 clicked on the one about uh, Kardashian or whatever. Right. It's like, well, it's sitting there. You just don't care, which I think is kind of this other thing. Like we can't, um, you know, cook around our own biases sometimes and we're going to see what we want to see, which I think is as consumers is really dangerous and interesting. I feel like we could talk about this all day. We need like a two hours. We need a podcast. There you go. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate talking with you. Thank you. That's a conversation that I had a little bit earlier today with Caben Clausen, who was so nice. He came in to visit. Uh, I'm telling you, these founders are busy. You got to take them like, will you come by or can I call you or record it or what? Yeah, but I'm really appreciative of both of our founders that came by today to talk with us about their very, very different businesses. And yet their end results are all about 
making sure everybody has their share of public voice that they want Mm -hmm. and that they're contributing to the conversation in the way that they want to and that they feel uh, validates them and their opinions and their thoughts, which is really cool. So many more of these startup shows to come because I always think this is such a fun thing to look at the very cool, creative things that people are doing right here in Chicago and building around us. And boy, if you want to feel real dumb, surround yourself with a bunch of (laughs) with a bunch of startup founders and you're like, holy moly, there's smart people in here doing smart things. Yeah, or just tune into Shark Tank every Sunday. <laughs> that just makes you like facepalm because you're like, why didn't I think of that? God, I wish oh. I thought of that. I know. All hey, maybe my idea is going to become viral now. Hey, you're your gonna- purse umbrella, <laughs> if I had more than $12 to my name, I would totally invest in purse umbrella or umbrella purse or whatever you're going to call it. I'm going to make it big. I'm going to make this Working reality. title. <laughs> maybe like the centerpiece of the umbrella could be hold all your stuff. That, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, nice. I like that, Amy. <laughs> Amy, that's great. I feel great. like I get a couple of shares of stock or something for helping me refine the idea. I'll give you 20% of my company. Sweet. All I had to do was give you an idea. <laughs> nice. Umbrella purse, people. It's going to be huge. Umbrella purse, yep. I guess. Anyway, well, I think so. It has been a pleasure. Many thanks to producer Vivian Lanou. Always a pleasure. Thank you for the good jams. You got it. We're going to take a break and then we're going to get you to news, all that good stuff, and then turn things over to Dave Hoekstra. I know he's got a big show planned for you, so we're going to find out all about that coming up in just a bit here on 720 WGN.